This message was presented at the Amen Missions 2017 Bible Conference, Shaken But Not Forsaken, in Cape Town, South Africa. For more resources like this, visit us at www.amen-missions.co.za. Amen. Advent message to every nation. If you have your Bible, the, the scripture reading, we're going to go to the book of, to a different book when we get into the sermon, but scripture reading from Psalm 107, 29 to 30, and it says, He makes the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet, so he bringeth them unto, the, unto their desired haven. Our message tonight is entitled, Waking Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity. As the Sabbath hours now draw to a close, Father God, let us not at any time this week close the door on our communication with you. But Father God, I ask one more time today that you make me just a nail upon the wall, a rusty and sorry nail, Lord, but upon that nail I ask that you hang a portrait of Jesus Christ. Let me not be seen or heard today. Instead, Father, let us hear a word from the throne room of grace. It's our prayer in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. So we start in the book of Mark, the fourth chapter. Jesus has just finished dealing with the multitude, and he is exhausted. And as Jesus goes to deal with the multitude, uh, finishes dealing with the multitude, he decides that he needs to take a retreat and, and move away. Mark 4 and verse 35 says a lot. It says, And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Jesus himself needed a retreat. You know, sometimes we think that as Christians, we have to constantly be going like the Energizer Bunny. Uh, maybe I don't have that reference down here. I don't know. <laughs> we think we have to constantly be going. And we think we can't stop. But Jesus gives us actually a whole different example. Jesus takes time early in the morning to pull apart and to pray. And at times when he's exhausted, like in this story, he makes it intentional that he gets into a position where he can be refreshed. In this one, it says that he, he says, listen, uh, we got to get in the boat and, and we need to pass over to the other side of the sea. Jesus needed some time to rest. Verse 36 says, and when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with, them, with him other little ships. This, again, the verse tells you a lot. One, Jesus was so exhausted that the Bible says they took him even as he was. He was so tired that his disciples literally probably assisted him into the boat, exhausted uh, and, and just and wiped out. And this is to tell you, to remind you that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. It is to tell you that just like you get exhausted, he got exhausted. And the reason that that is relevant is because that makes Christ a better high priest for you. It makes him a better judge for you. When you get to glory and, and you meet Jesus, one of the things you'll understand is that Jesus was connected with you. 
We have not a high priest that is not familiar with all of what we've been through. In fact, the Bible says he was, he was tempted in all points like we are, yet he never sinned. It is this familiarity with us, this, this human part of him that makes Christ who he is with us forever. In fact, we are told in the spirit of prophecy that he never will stop being in flesh. That his time on earth as the Christ, as the Messiah, his time in flesh makes it so that when all, the whole plan of salvation is over and we are with God throughout eternity, we will be closer to him because of what happened on earth than we would have been if it had never happened. Jesus was exhausted. The Bible says they took him as he was and placed him in the ship. And the Bible says the crowd wanted to be around him so much that folks started to get into smaller ships so they could follow him. People just wanted to be where Jesus was or where he was going. But like we've been talking about all day, something often happens when it seems like we're about to get a time of respite. Right when it seems like we're, we're cozying in to a good situation. Right when it seems like the marriage might have hit a sweet spot and, and now you can settle into a good marriage for the rest of your days. Or right when your children get to an age where you think you've raised them right and they're going to make good decisions. Right when it seems like your career is right where you want it to be. Right when your business is right where you think it ought to be. All of a sudden, tragedy strikes. Right when it seems like life was about to let you live and enjoy. The Bible says in verse 37, there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat unto the ship so that the ship was now what? So a couple things. One, if I've been to Israel. I was able to study Jewish history for a couple months there. And, and when they take you to the site where this happened, there are mountains in the distance. And the air there is cold. The, water over, the, the air over the water is warm. Where the two uh, uh, difference in, differences in temperature hit, oftentimes it causes a st sudden storm to stir up over the lake, over the sea. So the storms weren't uncommon, but the Bible gives you a hint of the, of, the, of, the, of the caliber of the storm when it says there was a great storm. Right now the United States is being threatened with its second hurricane in, in just the last couple weeks. And this one is the strongest hurricane and that has been strongest and the strongest for the longest amount of time to ever cross the Atlantic Ocean. Storms come. One of the things you got to get in this life, you have to accept the fact that this world is a treacherous world. It will never just be smooth sailing. Things are going to happen and things you can't predict. And what I've learned is that storms come in all different flavors. The Bible says that the, the storm came, the wind came, the waves beat into the ship. The ship is now... Full. Now, I am not a nautical engineer, but the little bit of training I have, I know, when the ship gets full of water, you in trouble. When that ship fills up with water, you better be careful, because at that point, everybody about to go down. 
The Bible says the storm came and the winds were, the waves were so big that the ship gets full of water. The ship is now about to start to sink. The disciples are fishermen, most of them. So you have to imagine that they were familiar with these sudden storms and they had the ability to deal with them. I would imagine by this time, Peter and some of the others are doing everything they can to feverishly get the water out of the ship. However the means of transportation that ship was, they were trying to jimmy rig and use things to catch the wind, to go in the right direction. They were working as hard as they possibly could to get the ship to stay afloat. And the ship still filled up with water. But the Bible says that Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Now this, this verse is one of those ones that's just pregnant with meaning. First of all, if Jesus is in the back of the ship asleep on a pillow, didn't he get wet? You know you got peace on the inside when you can sleep wet. <laughs> First of all, Jesus is sleeping in the middle of a storm, and he's perfectly fine with it. He's so exhausted that he needs the rest, so he sleeps even as the storm is coming on. And the disciples come, and they shake him, and they say to him, Listen, Jesus, we're all about to die. Don't you care? Isn't it interesting that our assumption in the storm is always to question God's compassion? Isn't that interesting? When we are in the midst of trial, it's often the, the response that what we do is we say, well, obviously God doesn't care. And they wake him up. So the first problem they have is eh, maybe you should have woke him up before the ship filled up with water. And you know what some of us do? We work so hard to get the water out of the ships of our lives. We work feverishly to try and clean up the mess that we are that we forget to wake Jesus up to do the fixing. There are folk who live their whole lives struggling in this Christian walk, trying to work their way into salvation and don't realize the secret to keeping the ship of your salvation afloat is to wake Jesus up in your life. Some of us, Jesus is just a convenience. We keep him tucked away in the back of the ship and we live our lives and when tragedy comes, we go running to look for Jesus. Wake up, Lord. I challenge you. If he's in the ship, trust him to run the ship. Don't you care that we perish? Verse 39 says that Jesus wakes up. And I like what Jesus does. He arose. I mean, Jesus is like, all right, y'all messing with me, man. He wakes up. The Bible says he rebukes the wind. He speaks to the sea and says three words, peace, be still. The Bible says, and the wind ceased, and there was a what? A great calm. Here's how deep that is. What that Bible verse is saying is that, that great calm statement says, it was more calm 
after Jesus dealt with the storm than it was before the storm. Oh, y'all missing this thing. You see, if you allow Jesus to wake up in your storm, he makes your situation better after the storm than it was before the storm. Jesus rebukes the wind. Because I believe that there was a spiritual, supernatural component. I believe the devil was trying to take them out. And Jesus rebukes the wind. And he speaks to the sea. Peace. Be still. I told you earlier today that Jesus has the power to control the laws of physics. The ship, this is what the disciples didn't realize. The ship could not sink if he was on it. All the laws of physics don't, you got to get this, they don't apply if Jesus is present because he wrote the laws. The laws are subject, the wind isn't just what's subject to him, the waves isn't just what's subject to him. He can speak to gravity and be like, chill out man, hold on. He can speak to the forces, the sheer forces of wind and say, listen, you are now incapacitated. Jesus has the power to stand up in your life and it doesn't matter what storm you're facing. He can speak to the storm and suspend the storm. That's who he is. You got to keep him awake in your life. Because as long as Christ is in your life, as long as he's in control, it doesn't matter what storm you face. He will not allow the storm to take you under. In Psalm 77, the scripture says that the waters were afraid of God. Asaph is referring back to when the Red Sea opened for Moses. He says that the water itself was afraid of God and that the deep trembled. Watch this. When the children of Israel were to pass over the Red Sea and God showed up in the presence of the children of Israel, the molecules of hydrogen and oxygen, H2O that make water, began to panic. Wait a minute. The creator has shown up and he does not want us blocking the path of his children. Uh-oh, we better panic because he can send us to Mars if he wants to. He has control even over the inanimate. The fire in the furnace can't burn if Christ is in the furnace. The water in the ship can't sink the ship if Christ is in the ship. Watch this. Your trials can't sink you. They can't stop you as long as Christ is in your life. an impossibility long as Christ is in it like, you know we sing a song when we were kids with Jesus in the vessel you can smile at the storm if you're not smiling at the storm maybe it's because Jesus ain't in your vessel verse 40 says and he said unto them why are you so fearful how is it that you have no what Jesus like look at have you been around me? You know, the, the, the disciples, they were kind of dense. 
I mean, they kept seeing miracle after miracle. And you know, if you really follow the Gospels, the miracles go like this. They get more and more complex, more and more difficult. They just keep going up and up and up and up. The last great miracle is that he raises Lazarus from the dead after he'd been in the grave so long that the Jews believed his spirit would not be able to come back to him and his body started to stink. So he keeps having to ratchet it up. Ratchet it up, ratchet it up. And as he ratchets up the miracles, they still don't get it. He has to come back from the dead himself and sit them down and continue to teach. And some of you say, well, those disciples were dumb. Guess what? We ain't all that different from them disciples. We've got all the proof in the word of God, of the power of the living God, of the, of the faithfulness of his son, Jesus Christ. And yet, at the first sign of trouble, we get flaky, we get shaky, we want to run, and we want to get away as fast as we can. And what I'm here to tell you tonight is, if Jesus is in the vessel of your life, you can smile at the storm. took a while for the disciples to get it, but eventually they get it. Because even here, you see it. He, Jesus is like, well, why, why don't you have any faith? Do you really think after all I've told you about my mission on earth, we're going out in a storm? I mean, after all I've told you, you really think we're just going to sink and drown in the middle of the ocean? When he says this, the Bible says in verse 41 that they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and sea obey him? We were talking, at, I think we are talking during one of the breaks over here on, on the side. We are talking about speaking life into your situation. The sister that gave the testimony this morning, and we were talking, and, and we're talking about it. You know, there's a verse in the scripture that says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. The word tongue there is, in the Hebrew, is like a hand. It means that when you speak something, it's literally like a hand goes out and forms it. So that's why you can't, don't tell your child they're stupid. Don't call your child a dummy. Be careful what you speak to your child. It's like a hand, and you're forming the child. In your, on your job, in your career, in the ability for you to be successful. Every time you say, you know what, I could never do that. I'm not smart enough to. You begin to form that thing. Now, I'm challenging you. When you read the story, what you understand is that what you need to learn to do when you are dealing with a challenge and you're looking at dealing with obstacles is you've got to stand on the side of Jesus Christ and speak Faith into the situation. What kind of man can speak to the wind and the sea and it obeys? The kind of man that left glory to save us from sin. There's nothing he's not willing to do for you. He wants to save you. You see, the way that the world tells you is like God is this tyrant in the sky and he's waiting for you to mess up so he can zap you. Some of us treat our own selves like that. You make some mistake and you beat yourself up. God, is, that's not what God's purpose for you is. 
God is more concerned with a relationship with you, knowing you intimately, getting to know you, and being on your side, encouraging you, and building you up so that you let go control of the wheel in your life. And he takes control so that you live a right and righteous life. If you try and live a right life without him, you're going to fail, be miserable, or turn out a legalistic fanatic. You need Jesus alive in your life. Spirit of Prophecy says it like this. How often the disciples' experience is ours. When the tempest of temptation gather and the fierce lightnings flash and the waves sweep over us, we battle with the storm alone, forgetting that there is one who can help us. We trust to our own strength till our hope is lost, lost and we are ready to perish. Then we remember Jesus. And if we call upon him to save us, we shall not cry in vain. Though he sorrowly, sorrowfully reproves our unbelief and self-confidence, he never fails to give us the help we need. Whether on the land or on the sea, if we have the Savior in our hearts, there's no need of fear. Living faith in the Redeemer will smooth the sea of life and will deliver us from danger in the way that he knows to be best. Can you trust him? Because there's a greater storm coming. Revelation 7.1 says, And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. Spirit of Prophecy says, John beheld four angels standing on the corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. These symbols are illustrative of the troubles that will come upon the earth. But the angels of God have been mercifully holding back until the servants of God should be sealed in their foreheads. She says, we are amid the perils of the last days and trying times are before us. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. That those things that cannot be shaken may remain. Drought, famine, pestilence, earthquakes, casualties by sea and land will multiply. Life will be unsafe anywhere, only as the life is hid with Christ in God. Now, while the angels are holding the four winds, is our opportunity to seek the Lord most earnestly. Now's the time to wake Jesus up in your life. Because I'm telling you, a time is coming when it's going to be too late to start getting ready and you're going to have to just be ready. That time is faster coming upon us. And if you're right now procrastinating, thinking you've got all the time in the world, hoping that later on you can get it right, you're, you're, you're being like the disciples in the ship, trying to get the water out of a ship that can't sink as long as Jesus is in it. Wake Jesus up in your life. Right now. Let him take control of your life before it's everlasting too late. I think I told a story last week in PE, but one of, one of the most difficult things I went through in my life was when my mother was diagnosed with cancer. It was tough. As a doctor, it was tough. As a son, it was tough. As a Christian, it was tough. She called me in tears 
She'd been having pains all over her body and, and, and nobody could figure out what it was. Now, she worked at one of the premier medical institutions in the United States at the University of Miami, but even as uh, an administrator at the hospital, the doctors blew off her symptoms. Pain in her feet, pain in other parts of her body, and nobody took it too seriously. Finally, she got so sick she was hospitalized. And it was one of our Adventist doctors that worked there and finally ran the proper test and diagnosed my mother with multiple myeloma. Now, multiple myeloma is a terrible disease. Multiple myeloma is a bone marrow cancer, meaning that the bone marrow begins to metastasize, to grow, and it actually breaks into the bone, causing what we call lytic lesions. So your bone begins to crack all over. The bones are what we call well innervated, meaning there's a lot of nerves in the bones. So anytime you hurt your bones, it hurts. So can you imagine now this woman having pain literally from the crown of her head at times to the soles of her feet to the point where it was debilitating and she was bent over in pain. She called me to tell me the bad news and she pleaded that I take care of the, my stepfather. And I got off the phone and I was like, Lord, what is this? Over the next three years, she fought this disease fought the disease, fought the disease, and finally I got the call that I needed to come to Miami. I left Los Angeles, I left from out of, of Southern California, flew to Miami, and my brother, who's a tough guy, picked me up at the airport, and when I saw tears in his eyes, I knew this wasn't good. When I got to the hospital, my mother was stick skinny. Chemotherapy had taken her hair off. She was so happy to see me, but I was taken aback when I saw this woman who was always so full of life, now seeming as if the life had just been sucked out of her. We sang hymns, we prayed with her, the folk from church came, we were in, trying to encourage one another, and when everybody was gone and it was just she and I, I, I slipped into the bathroom and I, and I began to get angry with God. And I said, Lord, how could you do this to this woman? who single-handedly raised three of us in your fear and admonition? How could you do this to this woman who, who led Pathfinders and was always hosting and supporting young people and, and supporting the church? How could you do this to this woman, Lord, who, who was, kept the books for the church, made sure that the books were always right, always had the best books in the conference? How, Lord, after all she's given you and the life she's lived for you, how could you allow her to die this painful, miserable death? I was on my knees in the bathroom of her hospital room. Ironically, the very, she was in the hospital uh, that she was an administrator of, one of the best cancer hospitals in the country. As I was agonizing with God there, and I'm saying, God, this makes no sense. How could you allow this? I heard a voice. A quiet voice whispered in my ear and said, she has been perfected. As clear as day, I heard the voice. And instantaneously, I understood what God was trying to tell me. You see, she'd been through the storm. She'd been through the difficulty. But Jesus was in the ship. So maybe she dies the first death. But he was saying, Walsh, she can't die the second death. 
She's been perfected. She's all right with me. And I know you want her to stay with you in a selfish way. But understand that the next face your mama's going to see is my face. This message was presented at the Amen Missions 2017 Bible Conference, Shaken But Not Forsaken, in Cape Town, South Africa. Amen Missions, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, is a youth-led ministry seeking to inspire young people to be Bible-based, mission-focused, and Christ-centered Christians. Our aim is to assist in taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world in this generation, starting in South Africa. For more resources like this or to find out how to support this work, visit us at www.amen-missions.co.za. Amen. Advent message to every nation. This recording was produced by the Preparation Ministry.